Welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe, and you've guessed it, this is where we talk about money. And it is my mission to empower you, to help you make the best financial decisions possible. Why? Because money is a tool, life is for living. Let's go. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Conversation of Money podcast. I hope you had an amazing weekend. Welcome to this episode. This episode is a little bit of a special one because I do have a guest and unlike normally with the podcast, I have like a person who is from financial services and we talk about something specifically. This is actually a listener to the podcast who reached out, who wanted to share some of her experiences of, you know, financial education and some of the things she's finding right now as a first time buyer. So as always, I got this feedback um, back end of last year that you guys wanted to hear more from ordinary people. And as we go through this year, I'm going to be asking for more and more of you to approach me to see if you want to come up on the show. It will give you the opportunity to ask me questions directly as well. We can have an interaction and hopefully inspire other people as well who may just be looking to make sense of their finances in some way, shape or form. So this is the first one of the year and I'm really, really happy to welcome her. Tiana, welcome. Hi, how are you? How are you? I'm good. Um, I'm really glad to finally get on a podcast and this is like the this is a great podcast to be a part of the first one that I've ever been a part of and it's and it's yours like wow no listen I appreciate you reaching out and saying look you would love to come on and stuff like that and I'm always happy to have people on because like I said part of the feedback that I got last year was I had um maybe who did I have on the show I had someone on the show um and they were sharing their experience of how they came across um the podcast what they'd learned all that kind of stuff and people were like that was really really helpful because i guess people get a sense of oh it's not just me oh somebody else thinks this as well and yeah. i think because the podcast is designed to kind of help empower people you kind of gain that sense of community and that's really my ultimate goal is to build a sense of community when we talk about financial education so that everybody knows that we're all on a journey of our own and we probably all face exactly the same, the same challenges at some point. Yeah, definitely. So let's do a little bit of an introduction to you. Who are you? What do you do? What are you all about? Okay. Um, well, my name's Tiana and, um, I actually work in cell and gene therapy, um, in a university. So I work in academia and it's kind of part NHS, part academia. So I've got like both the passes mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I'm a cell and gene therapy production scientist. So basically, um, I'm one of the people that would be working in a lab and in a clean room, uh, making viral vectors. Oh God, this just this is gonna sound really complicated. People are gonna be like, what the hell is that? No, 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 go for <laughs> okay. it. Because I've got I've got a ton of like questions for you just purely on what you actually do. Okay. Right. I think it's really, really interesting to see different um career paths because you I don't come across many people who do what you do. Like it's not a popular kind of like profession, I guess, um, in, in regards to, well, obviously there are engineers and all these kind of stuff, but not really yeah. what you do. So, yeah. Um, so should I explain well, like kind of go into the nitty gritty just a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Go on, go on. Cause um, I, I okay. want to know. I'm interested. Okay. <laughs> so basically, um, in clinical trials, um, there's a lot of companies, so a lot of bio, so this is biotechnology essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of companies, they need you know, you get a full virus and it has a harmful piece of DNA inside mm-hmm. of it that when it gets in your body, it multiplies and wreaks havoc. Mm-hmm. Um, we take the body of the DNA, so that like, we take the um, harmful um, pathogen inside the DNA 
and we take the body of it because obviously the DNA, the, the structure of the DNA, it's, uh, the structure of the virus itself is actually very useful because it multiplies like crazy. It invades your body. So, you know, viruses are awful, right? You know, mm-hmm. corona. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But once you take out the unhealthy gene and put in a healthy gene and put it into someone's body, it does the same, it has the same mechanism as the virus. So it multiplies and it kind of takes over that organ. But if it's taking over that organ with healthy genes, then you could essentially put, you could essentially take someone with cancer, put that healthy enzyme that helps them regulate that cancerous gene and mm-hmm. kind of put it inside the empty virus, the mm-hmm. empty vector that we produce and put it inside the body and it kind of reverses the effect. So that's the, the kind of layman's, uh, is that did that even sound layman's? Did I did I make that sound? No, no, easy? no, no, no. That that does make sense to me. That yeah. does because I'm quite a visual person when people explain theories like that. So I've got all kinds of pictures. And I did biology when I was in school. So I guess ah, I've okay. got a little bit of a, a background on the A-level side of things. Yeah. But I I completely get what you're saying. It's on the investing side, I take an interest in this because one of the ah, things okay. I follow is um I follow um Kathy Wood's genomics and her her ETF. Is specifically working in the in the field of genomics, so it is like genome strands, that kind of stuff, um, and how you actually modify uh, sort of genomes for medical treatments in the in the biotech space. So it's something that I I kind of get a get a sense of. How did you actually get into this, by the way? Because that's not a common path. I mean, yeah. So I started out working in pharmaceutical production production after you. Because I did chemistry, I did pharmaceuticals mm-hmm. and chemical chemical sciences, which is kind of like a as my degree. So it was like a heavy chemistry degree mm-hmm. with pharmaceutical em- um, elements chucked in. Mm-hmm. And so I went off and I did um, pharmaceutical production, which is essentially working in these like big isolators, making, because everything has to be aseptic. Like you can't make these kind of drugs that go straight into the human body through like, um, you know, intravenously without yeah. being in an environment with no microorganisms w- whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'll, I'm the kind of person that's wearing like the hazmat suits with the, the goggles and everything's yeah. covered up in the hair and stuff like that. And um, I used to make chemotherapy drugs. So I did that for, for a few years. And then um, I'm not saying, okay, chemotherapy has its place, but the future is definitely biotechnology, cell mm-hmm. and gene therapy, the future's there. So I wanted to move into that. And because I've got um, good, manu- G- it's called GMP, good manufacturing practice experience, um, which is apparently really rare. I didn't know that. Okay. Um, I thought I could, even though I'm not a heavy biologist, I'm more of a chemist. Um, I thought it, I could get into that field, but um, the university I work at is notor- notoriously difficult to get a job there. Um, but I had an inside man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had somened that already knew. I, I know I know like loads of people that work in pharmaceuticals and science, uh-huh. right? So he was just like, ah, okay, if you come here, obviously I know you. I will tell them that you're good at what you do. Uh-huh. And yes, I got in. <laughs> nice. And um, that's where I've been working since last year. So I kind of started this job at the, the very beginning of the pandemic. So uh-huh. yeah. So have you have you done much on the COVID research or has that been a completely different field to the one you're in? Um, I think there's been talks of us getting into it because we kind of just get involved with um, the clinical stri- like the clinical trials aspect of like cancer mm-hmm. and um, uh, blood cancer and various other cancers. But there has been talks of us getting involved with COVID. We did um, actually help with the, you know, the tube fillings for the testing. You know, the tubes that you get filled with like a saline solution when you do your yeah, swab yeah. and stuff. We were actually involved with like, Get, churning out a few of those to help the kind of effort with mm-hmm. um, getting everyone tested in the UK. Um, 
but there are talks of it. So I'm guessing later on, that could be something that we're getting involved with. Fantastic, fantastic. It's interesting to hear that and how you actually get into it. Because like I said, I like hearing different career paths. And especially when you get into like the sciences type stuff, it takes me back to to the school and like biology. Because I did biology, physics, chemistry. So that sounds in, awful. In a, I know, I know, I know, <laughs> That's right? That's crazy. <laughs> so I did, I did those ones. Mm. But in, if if life was differently, if if life was to be the way my dad had wanted it to be for me, I would be a neurosurgeon right now. He was very very passionate about ah. me become going into medicine to find a cure yeah. for sickle cell anemia because I have sickle cell anemia. So that okay. was one one big thing. It was like, oh, medicine, you've got to be a doctor, you've got to be this and all that kind of stuff. And I took an interest very early on on like. Newer, uh, newer surgery and stuff. So that was supposed to be my path, but it was not to be. So I found myself in a, in financial services. I'm always interested to hear how people then kind of get into, into what they do from a study point of view. And so tell me a little bit, because obviously this is a financial podcast. Tell me a little bit about your experience of financial education, sort of, you know, coming up in, in your life. Well, um, Okay, from my, it's like second nature for me to save. Um, when I was a kid in secondary school, my mom used to give me two pounds a day for lunch. I okay. used to save a pound a day and spend a pound on lunch. I don't know how I got away with spending a pound on lunch. <laughs> I don't, I, different times, isn't it? Uh-huh, <laughs> like, uh-huh. um, so I was always that person. And I didn't, I didn't have a purpose for why I was saving money. I just, I always thought I should. Um, so growing up, I, I've always been a natural saver, even though it didn't really have a purpose. I just, I was always a natural saver. Um, so in terms of my financial journey, in terms of savings, I didn't realize that a lot of the people in, in the UK don't really know how, a lot of people in the world don't really know how to save. And I didn't yep. think that was a thing just because it came so naturally to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when 2020 hit, I realized that saving and just putting it in a savings account isn't enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I start, obviously I think 2020 kind of taught people that they need multiple streams of income, um, yes. pe- Everyone wanted to learn how to really grab hold of their finances. Maybe people, maybe people realized that their job wasn't the end all and be all. Maybe their job mistreated them during the COVID thing. So everyone's looking for another way to make money or another way to kind of look after themselves later on when you retire. Um, so that's when I thought I started Googling these things like, what, what side hustles can I do to make me money from home? Uh-huh. <laughs> or um, how can I invest in things? Like, everyone's always talking about investing, but I always thought, no, that's something accountants do. Normal people don't invest. Like, yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then when I started Googling it and watching YouTube videos and listening to podcasts, I was like, oh, okay. So I started off very small. Like in terms of investing, um, I there's a there's an app called Plum. Do you know about it? I know Plum, yeah. I reviewed yeah. Plum, yeah. Plum's good. Yeah, Plum's good. So I downloaded Plum and I just let it do that because it, it's got that AI that saves money for you. Mm-hmm. Um like, you know, without you even realizing it, just kind of it watches your spending and kind of think and tells you what it thinks is an appropriate amount for you to save mm-hmm. every week. So I just opened up a Plum account and I let the AI take money out of my account and I let it put it into investments for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can pick the, def- the different levels of risk. Yeah, for yeah, yeah. What, so I just picked like a slow and steady, like the, a low level risk thing. And I just started like that, just to, you know, put my, like dip my feet in the water sort of thing. And, um, I started to get more interested in investing and I started wanting to invest in things that I'm interested in. So I work in pharmaceuticals. So I opened up like an investing account about pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. And um, so my portfolio has pharmaceuticals in there and um, 
Uh, I've also opened up one about tech because I like the, I like mixing tech with tech with pharmaceuticals. I mean, I yeah, work yeah. in biotechnology, so yeah. <laughs> so um, I've taken it. I've started putting heavily more money into it. Before, I just used to let the app do its thing, but now I actively put money into my different like portfolios and stuff like that. So, but Plum is a great app for anyone that's um, you know in the beginning stages because you don't really need to know where the money's going. You just need to know the risk factor. You just kind of let it do its thing. Yeah. So. And yeah. I think as well, there's something interesting that you've actually done there in the fact that, and I say this all the time, like if you're, if you're going to invest, it's always, it's always great if you can start with what you know and understand. Yeah. So where you're in the pharmaceutical sector right now, that's a great place to start because you've got experience in it. You know how the industry works. You know how, you know, uh, drugs go from research to, you know, full into the market and then how mm. it's actually then sold. So those are always really, really good places to actually begin your investing journey and something you actively have an interest in. Um, and that's, that's, a, it's good to know that you're actually using Plum um, to get on the journey for that as well. But you mentioned, and we spoke a little bit about this before we pressed record, like the whole issue of side hustles and the fact that now we, we do need to focus on generating other incomes aside from the main income that we have, because COVID has definitely taught us that you can't rely on, nine to five job really for your financial security so tell me a little bit about how you've approached the side hustle because i think that will be interesting for for the listeners to hear yeah um i think the main thing is i think a lot again a lot of people don't have savings to you know just kind of like take up because they say sometimes you need to have money to make money Mm -hmm. um i don't think that's particularly true um there are a few side hustles that, because what, what I did was I Googled how to start a side hustle without any money. The thing is I have money, right? But my money's for my mortgage, my, for my, my mortgage deposit. So I don't want to put it in a business and possibly lose it. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. So um, I was kind of looking around that and, you know, who, who doesn't love making money out of nothing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it, it, yeah, it's a no brainer. So um, I Googled that and some of the things I found were, you know, if you're a good writer, you could uh, you could offer up your writing services maybe like i i'm I've, i'm offering up my scientific writing services because um okay. i kind of have a, a knack for taking big chunks of scientific text and making it seem really digestible and easy for people mm-hmm. um so you could do something like that so it's just your writing skills so you're kind of giving up your time i guess and your skills for money um and you could do that on fiverr as well you could go on like one of these um was it upwork you can go on upwork like yeah 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 um or um Another thing that I've I've seen loads of people doing it, the Amazon affiliate, like the, the whole thing of um, what is it fulfill to buy? So you can buy like big FBA, yeah, FBA big yeah, yeah. stock of stuff and kind of send it to Amazon and kind of let them do. But that that is you know you kind of got to have a little bit of money for that. You can't you can buy your stuff from China, yeah. Like, but... And you also need the know how as well. You really exactly. do need to know how it actually works because it's quite a saturated market right now. Exactly. Uh, in yeah. terms of how do you actually research the product? What kind of product is actually going to sell? And you've got to source it. That you've got to, you know, get the fulfillment and everything done. It's it's very very popular because there's so many people on social media saying, "Oh my God, my Amazon store's done this." Yeah. But it's like, well, as always, as always, they completely miss. By the way, I spent six months to maybe a year building up to this it, point. Exactly. You know? Yeah. That that behind the scenes look is always is always missing with that. Yeah, it is. It is. Social media is definitely just a highlight role. And I think people really need to take that on board. Like and when you see people, well, look, I, I invested a grand on stock and now I'm making a hundred grand. Like, uh-huh. 
if it if it usually if it is too good to be true, really do your due diligence because it it, it usually is too good to be true. <laughs> like, I love so. that. You, I love that 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 sentence came from somebody apart from me because I say it all the time <laughs> and I feel like a broken record. It's like I there's so many people that I have so many conversations. I had one literally two weeks ago, and the conversation was okay. Listen, so um, I want to start investing. Um, and okay, so what's your goal? Uh, I want some. I want some passive income. I'm like, okay, cool. So what does passive income look like for you? Uh, I need a thousand pounds a month. Okay, fantastic. How much have you got to invest? 5,000 pounds. It's like, (laughs) there is nothing on earth that I can put you in that is going to generate you 1,000 pounds per month. That's 12,000 pounds from a 5,000 pound investment. There's nothing I can put you in to be able to do that. But people's expectation versus the reality of what they can actually achieve is so far skewed because of the, the likes of social media. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, <laughs> if you see a, a page, there's loads of pages now that are just like, follow me and I'll help you get to this journey. Um, if you look at their page and you don't see when their money, when they don't make any money that day, because obviously if you're selling things on Amazon, especially there'll be days where you don't make anything. Mm-hmm. If they don't post that, if they don't post things like that, I, that wouldn't be someone that I would kind of go like look to for, um, education on that thing because they're not even showing when they don't do well they're just showing Mm -hmm. when they do well and that's just not realistic so um yeah so things like that and also what's uh going back to the side hustles that are kind of like free to start so yeah maybe you could write a book write an amazon book it's really easy you write a book and you you plunk on amazon they don't charge you and you put your price and but then obviously i'm saying it's easy like it's easy to write a book it's not (laughs) you've got yeah you've got (laughs) You've got to have some kind of writing skills going on. or you, I mean, I feel like a lot of books that I have seen that do really well are like, you know, financial help books these days. Yeah, um, yeah. Books that help people. Obviously, you can write your fan fiction or something like that and still make a, a killing, but don't expect to be the next J.K. Rowling. Like, you don't, <laughs> like, yeah. But, um, so there's that. Um, also, um, obviously, you know that I, I started a, a voiceover business, I guess you could call it. Uh-huh, I haven't really uh-huh. started set up a website yet, but I've started doing voiceovers. Um, and from what I've heard online, apparently voiceover, voiceover, voiceover acting is one of the most lucrative side hustles just because you can make such a large amount of money from a one sec- from a, a one minute clip. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? But, I think you, you get royalties as well, don't you? With uh, yeah, voiceover exactly. work. So it exactly. means you, you get that residual passive income every time it gets used. And, and so it's very similar to kind of like the way music operates. In yeah. That yeah. Yeah. So, but for that, all you need is, I don't know, clear speaking voice and, and the Which you have. Setup. Yeah. I mean, I guess <laughs> if uh, I'll send you my voice roll after this, this is not the voice I use. Um, <laughs> okay. It's, okay. It's much... okay. Can you give me, can you give me how many? Okay. So here's, <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot. Sorry. I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah. So uh, do you have different variations of the voice that you use? Yeah. I mean, um, I'm, I'm from South London, right? I don't live mm-hmm. in South London. I live in Surrey now, but uh-huh. um, I was born and bred in South London, Croydon, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> uh-huh. So I've got a very South London accent. I don't pronounce my T's. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like, so when I, uh, like my voice, I guess it's got baritone, baritones to it. So it's not ridiculously high. Um, mm-hmm. So when I do my adverts, because it's like you have to be energized and I have to smile and I have to, uh-huh. I raise the octave of my voice just a little bit because it makes uh-huh. me sound a bit more youthful i guess uh-huh, uh-huh. and um that's that's the main voice i use that's the voice that i got good feedback on so can you give me a little t- t- test come on 
come on. I know, I know you didn't know I was going to ask this, but we're here <laughs> now, so we might as well do it. <laughs> um, I don't know. Give me something to say. Um, what can I say? Um, um, give me. Uh, you're listening to the Conversation of Money podcast. Okay. <clears throat> oh God. <laughs> um, no pressure. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> you're listening to the Conversation of the Money podcast. That's really, that's it. That's radio. That's almost like a voice for radio. That no, seriously though, that is. And I, I, I would definitely picture that on the kind of like radio and on TV, kind of. Yeah, like um, backdrop. I've actually got in the demo role. I've actually got a jazz FM one that I like did a demo of. Okay. And yeah, it's like it's very you know, jazz FM. It's like very. You know what I mean, so yeah, it's just it, yeah. So for me, I feel like my voice is the product. So. That is something that's a uh, low cost because it's, you know, it's my voice. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah sure. It's just well, the you, equipment. Then you've got to start thinking about maintaining it and not stressing it and obviously making sure that, you know, you don't overexert yourself. I guess that's a completely different kind of problem yeah. to have once you start getting to that point where, you know, you start making a lot of money from it. and You, ha- you have to be more conscious of it. I have friends who are singers and they're always like, oh my God, like before they go out singing, it's like lemon and tea. And yeah. Drink vocal exercises and stuff and trying to really, really nurture and look after their voice. Yeah, I think um, my water uptake has definitely increased and um, I do kind of watch, like if I'm shouting, I'm like, oh, I can't shout because (laughs) I don't want to to completely make my voice too raspy because after Mm -hmm. after I shout, I lose my voice and it gets a bit raspy. Um, So, um, yeah, it's it's things like that. It's quite fun. Uh, If you can find a side hustle, that's fun. It kind of starts out as that and then you kind of go about it in a more professional manner and then kind of run with it like that and that's like the greatest but I mean from what I've seen and later on I could be making on the ups of five grand a month from this so mm-hmm. that would be something I'd probably think hmm do I need to work like can I, can I quit my job <laughs> like well this so. is the thing this is the thing and I've said I say this all the time it's like you know what I do now to start it off as a, as a side hustle like and I'm not at the point where I'm making a shed load of money at this point in time but I can see the progression and the growth and I think that's the beauty of it. And the fact that if you have a side hustle of something that you enjoy doing or something that you have an interest in, or maybe if you didn't even know you had an interest in it, but it comes along as something that is an option for you, mm. building that alongside your main job, there is nothing wrong with that. But if you get to the point where actually, you know what, I could go off and do this thing tomorrow, then you are essentially in control of your own destiny, knowing that you don't need or rely or have to rely on a company paying you your salary each month when something like COVID could come along and you're gone because they have to make a business decision. And I think that's the paradigm that a lot of people have shifted to now in terms of the realization that to a certain extent, we have to be the masters of our own, of our own destiny. I said it before on a show, my emergency fund saved me last year, like literally saved me last year Mm. because, because of COVID, I got let go from a new job that I got headhunted for, like literally. Oh, so I thought, wow. ah, great, great, great opportunity. You know, use a different skill set. Fantastic. I was there for three months at the end of the day. So I didn't get a redundancy package like I would have done had I not left, yeah. by the way. So having an emergency fund really, really saved me. And it made me realize, well, actually, you know what? For years and years and years, I, I, I thought about doing YouTube and doing a podcast and all this kind of stuff. I hadn't done it. It may, and luckily, I started the YouTube channel and the podcast in January last year. So this was already up and running and going. But it just kind of, you know, just goes to show that sometimes you really should follow your gut, really. 
and yeah. as soon as possible really really follow your gut yeah and what you were saying about um that you can kind of like navigate your own life to me that is what financial freedom is it's not yes. being a millionaire it's not being you know having all this crazy amount of money oh i can go private jet and you know fly to milan tomorrow it for me it's just being in complete control of my financial life and that to me is financial freedom even if i wasn't rich but as long as i know that i can oh this might, might i need i need a little bit more money this month i can make more if i want oh i'm i'm cool just like get, making my standard i can just kind of sit back like that is that's the goal that's the ultimate goal Tiana, that's music to my ears because I say, I say this all the time. Like the idea, financial independence and financial security means different things to different people, right? Yeah. So if you think about someone like Elon Musk, for him, financial security will involve having millions in the bank because that's the echelon that he's at. But yeah. for most people, what does it really mean? It means that you have the choice of, mm, I want to go on holiday. I've got enough money here to kind of be able to cater to that. Or you've got control over how you essentially uh, exercise your right to, to live your life. And that doesn't necessarily mean X amount of zeros in the bank account. It doesn't exactly. mean that at all. Yeah. So I know people who, who are earning 40 grand a year. They've got the balance that they want because they've been financially disciplined. They, they're close to paying off their mortgage. I've got a friend actually that I used to grow up with down in East Sussex they are going to be mortgage-free this year. And they don't earn like six figures, nothing like it. Between the two of them, they probably earn probably about maybe 40, 40 grand. Wow. They're going to be mortgage-free this year. That's and amazing. They are, and they are in their 30s. That's amazing. It's what the hell? Being, That's it's literally just being financially prudent. And I said to her, I said, you guys should be extremely proud of what you've done because not a lot of people actually manage to do that. And they have basically just been very, very mindful of putting their money in the right place and being as disciplined as possible. Their priority was we want to attack the mortgage, just attacking the mortgage like no man's business. They'll be mortgage free. Now they're looking at, okay, can we buy a second property as a rental? Now they're in that phase where they're going to start creating, mm, start to start yeah. building things and start investing now. But they're 30, they're not only six figures. And what you're saying there is, is exactly, exactly right. It's not about having X amount of money in the bank. It's about you finding the balance that you feel is going to work for you. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. So tell me about your journey because you're in the process at the minute of buying your first home. Yep. How are you finding that? Um, okay, so I'm not going out alone. I'm actually going out with a partner, right? Mm -hmm. With my partner. And um, it's... <laughs> Obviously, this wasn't the plan to buy it. It was it, the plan was to have this house ages ago, right? Uh -huh. But then Corona hit, and then the market just yeah went wild, right? Um, at first, it just completely shut down. So as soon as Corona happened and we were in lockdown, it completely shut down. You weren't allowed to visit people's houses. Um, obviously, all the mortgage, all the estate agents calling people around. No, you're not allowed to come over. You're not mm -hmm. allowed to see anything. So that put a spanner in the works. Then um, when it was oh yeah, you're allowed to visit people's houses now. Um, I, I, um, I was under the illusion, right. That if you're a first time buyer in this climate right now, the fact that everyone, like loads of people are losing their jobs, the fact that, um, you know, loads of people don't have money anymore. Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, hold up. So me and my partner, we're in, we're in solid jobs. I'm in like, you know, a government academia job, uh -huh. you know, I'm a scientist. I'm not getting fired. Like 100% I'm not getting fired. Like, uh -huh. I'm not getting fired. Like, so I was at a secure job. 
Um, I I have my deposit already saved. So I thought that I, I I'm a first time buyer, which is quite desirable because there's no chain, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So. I thought that I was going to be, I was going to go out there and just be like, yeah, I'll have that. And I'm going to offer 30K less and they're just going to take it, right? They're <laughs> <laughs> like, just going to be like, go on then, first time buyer. Uh -huh. <laughs> I went out there, that is not the case. <laughs> that, is, that is not the case. I think if you're, if you're a first time buyer and, you know, we don't have tons of money. First time buyers usually don't have tons of money. Uh -huh. If you're a first time buyer and you're looking for a house um, under 325K, right um which is difficult to find in london mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, very very yeah yeah if you're if you're looking in that kind of tax bracket i mean in that kind of um, um price price uh point you're going to have a lot of competition the competition is going to be other first time buyers that are just like you that didn't lose their job they've got their mm -hmm. deposit there's loads of them about um it's going to be investors that are buying this property to rent out later and mm -hmm. what i've found is that the investors that are buying now they're doubling up so mm -hmm. It's two of them going, so they have more buying power. They have more buying power than you. So if you really like a place, don't even bother kind of offering below the price because someone's going to outbid you. It's just mm -hmm. it's, it's going to happen. You're going to have to offer the price or above. That's what was happening a lot. Um, houses were like, oh, we want 300. But then the people were outbidding each other. So it wasn't that price. It, wasn't, it definitely wasn't lower. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a lot of people downsizing that um, used to live in London maybe. Or maybe, maybe there's... It, it, it's, so there's a lot of people downsizing because maybe they've lost their job and they're like, I can't afford this house in London anymore. Or there's people that worked in London, maybe they've been renting and um, they had an office job, but now their jobs become completely work from home or partly mm -hmm. or mostly work from home. And now um, they're like, oh, I could probably get a bigger house just outside of London instead of living in this flat. Mm -hmm. And that's what they're doing. So right now, the outskirts of London, kind of like Bromley, Orpington, Red Hills, so mm -hmm. these kind of areas are like, they're, 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 it's like a shark, it's like a shark infested. It's like, everyone's fighting for it. Everyone's out there looking. You're up against a lot, a lot of people. And I, I really thought, okay, I'm going to look in Orpington and Swanley and places like this. And um, no one's looking there. Everybody's looking there right mm -hmm. now. Like everybody that you can get, why not spend what you'd spend in a flat in London on a three bedroom house in these areas and have yeah. a garden and a drive? Yeah. Why would you not yeah. do that? So yeah. um and easy yeah. access to London as well, especially from a lot of these places, Red Hill, Orpington, Bromley. Very, 20 very minutes. easy access. Yeah. Into the 20 minutes, 30 minutes, boom, you're right in London. Why would it, it makes sense? And um, yeah, the travel is expensive. But if you're only gonna be in your office once a week or like never, <laughs> mm -hmm. it makes sense. So um that's one tip I would definitely say if you're out there in your first time buying, you feel like, oh yeah, like you know, we can probably offer like well below the asking price. I think you'll be shocked because we really were. <laughs> so, um, I mean, if you can go ahead. I mean, if you, if you do it and you, and you get up, like, wow, well, amazing. But from what we found for the year that we've been looking, um, yeah, no, if you offer below the, it's almost instantly going to get um, rejected. And if not, then it's, it's, it's just how it's going to be. That's how it's been. Um, yeah. Have you, did you find that the stamp duty tax break kind of like, <sighs> also worked against you oh my god yeah <laughs> so people that were sitting at home and thinking oh yeah i'm not gonna i'm not i'm not in any rush to buy a place as soon as they announced stamp duty the market mm -hmm. went crazy i listened to yeah. a podcast and there was someone from purple bricks and obviously the, the expectation is that the house the housing the housing market was going to go down but they the, the woman that was a representative from purple bricks was just like 
the the housing market is booming. Like we are we are selling houses like no one like we are selling houses like hotcakes. Like they're just mm-hmm. going. And um, it's because of the stamp duty holiday. It really did. It really did. In, the government said they did it to like inject like this uh, upturn in it, but it actually works. Like everyone mm-hmm. was out there like, oh my God, like I don't want to pay stamp duty and blah, blah. But for a lot of first time buyers, stamp duty wasn't going to affect us anyway because we're looking for places under 300K. Mm-hmm. So now we were up against these people that were out there and they have a lot more buying power because they're probably selling a property. So they've got more money. Yeah. And um, they that's who you're up against. So uh it yeah it was it it wasn't a great time for, uh, personally for me for a first time buyer to be out there looking at places because there were so many people looking for houses and a lot of these people have more buying power than you because you're just the first time buyer and you might not have a crazy deposit yeah. you, i mean you could increase your deposit but you know when i think about my neighbor my neighbor recently he took advantage of the whole stamp duty break thing and he took the opportunity to upgrade to a massively more expensive house because well, he could yeah. at the end of the day. Mm. And um, so I'm up in the Midlands. I'm in Shropshire. And okay. I, there are probably two, three, four hundred houses going up in our area. And literally, wow. you cannot, everything's being bought off plan. Like, literally. The show home goes up, you walk in and be like, okay, uh, so what have you got? Nothing. It's all gone. <laughs> Every single one of them is gone. And when he bought his place, he goes, I went to go look at it. And I knew that it was the only one available. And I knew if I walked out of the office, it would be gone. And because he looked for so long, he was like, I'm just going to, he just put in an offer straight away. Like literally. Yeah, that's how you've got to be. And the, only reason, and the only reason why that came on the market was because the person who was going to buy it, it fell through. <laughs> so oh. <laughs> it came back on the market and therefore it was like, he was lucky to get back on. Um, but yeah, the housing market has been an interesting one through the pandemic. And I think, you know, a lot of the stuff that the, that they did, um, introduced to help the property market has really given it that boost. Yeah, not really first time. I feel like when that, when this all happened in the beginning, because if you do remember the um, the ten percent and five percent loans just disappeared. They were mm-hmm. like banks were not giving them to anybody because they were scared that oh, first time buyers they might be made redundant or mm-hmm. they'll lose their so those were just gone. So in the first few months of the pandemic, buying a house was a myth because. Them telling me that I had to have 20%. I was like, see, you expect me to have double the p- deposit I have now. How? <laughs> yeah, not How overnight anyway. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's crazy. Like, even 15% is, is like, wow. So I needed a f- a se- several few grands more than what I have now. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how am I supposed to save that in a couple months? I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm, <laughs> scientists don't get paid that well. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, you must be, you know. So, so, so like, where, where are you on the journey at the moment then? Are you, have you identified somewhere? What, what phase are you at? The thing is, <laughs> um, I can't lie to you. Um, we haven't told anybody where we're at. Um, just because, you know, in the high, the buying process, it gets very annoying when people are constantly like, uh-huh. oh, so what's going on with the buyer now? What's going uh-huh, on with the buyer? Uh-huh. Um, I can't really reveal where we're at now. Um, you, are you in a positive place though? In a positive place. Good. Good. Yeah, in a positive place. Just um, you've got to be careful because you know, um, yeah, at any point in the the buying process, someone could pull out or someone could change their mind or something. It's very, it could be all very disappointing. So, but from what I've been seeing, it's been the buyers that have been pulling out, not the sellers. Um, Mm -hmm. at the last stage, like literally just before exchange of contracts, that's what a lot of the places you've seen were like, oh, they're um. Oh, uh, selling it again because the buyer pulled out at the very last stage. So yeah. 
it's things like that. I think people have been losing their mortgages because they've been made redundant and they've had to tell the bank, the bank's like, yeah, we're not giving it to you anymore. So yeah. it is, yeah. there is a lot of that going on as well. So yeah. Good. Oh, and sorry, can I just mention this as well? Yeah, go on, go on. <laughs> um, you know how stamp duty is supposed to be coming back the mm-hmm. 31st of March? Um, yeah. they, they are talking about extending it for six weeks. So I don't know how far that's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I heard that it's actually, if, if you haven't noticed, if you go on the .gov website now, before, obviously, it was 3% when it was over 300K, right? Mm-hmm. It's actually gone up to five. And no, the, the government has, haven't made any noise about it on the news or anything. It's just sneakily gone up by 2%. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on at the minute in the, in, in the background. And I think I'm interested to see what Rishi's going to announce on March 5th in terms of the new, what breaks they're going to give or what lack of breaks that they're going to give, I guess mm. I should be saying and what they're going to be taking away. Uh, we know that capital gains tax is going to be something that is already on the chopping block alongside things like inheritance tax. There's also some things that he's um, that is being reported he will be changing for the self-employed people to be able to increase the tax take. Mm. So if he's increased the, the stamp duty from 3 to 5%, it's probably because he's probably sat back and gone, okay, we're selling a lot of houses here. So how can we take advantage of that situation to increase the tax take? sneaky because that's going to be a big big surprise to a lot of first-time buyers and yeah. it may it may i mean you say two percent it's a lot of money depending on what property price you're going for so yeah. that may set some people back in terms of whether they're actually ready or not once you factor in conveyance and fees and all this other stuff as well exactly, it's yeah. quite a big it's quite a big in- increase yeah i think um for me at first i was like ah five percent that's not too bad but then i was like hold up wait so it's, it's Six percent is double. That that's nearly double. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so yeah. it's pretty bad. Like, and the fact that, like I said, I haven't I haven't seen this anywhere on the news. So it's just you go on the gov website and it's just there. You're like, oh, what happened to three percent? It's like it's like the three percent never existed. Yeah. So um, I don't think that's cool that they've done that. But at the same time, them giving all this holiday, they probably have to make the money back somehow. So yeah, they do, and that, that's why I'm interested to see what's going to happen March fifth. Um, how what are they going to do to increase the tax taken? It's, it's a difficult one. I I hope, I mean, obviously there's a lot going on regards to we're vaccinating more now. I think the yeah. number is, I think it's 12 million or something like that we're at at the moment. Mm. Boris is supposed to be giving a speech or something like that this week around okay. that. Um, what's going to happen with COVID? Are we going to come out of lockdown and be in a good place at some point in the next few months? Fingers crossed we are. Yeah, but the longer this drags on, obviously the the deeper the impact is going to be on on sectors and the economy and everything like that. So it'll be interesting to see what goes on on that front. Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, I think another point to make is just it's a warning more than anything. Um, if you are a first time buyer, how do I say? I don't want to offend anybody, but estate agents are quite sneaky. Um, <laughs> Like, <laughs> they're quite sneaky. I, my, my aunt always told me this. She's always said to me, as a, like from young, she always said to me, she's like, two people you can't trust in life, politicians and estate agents. <laughs> and I, was like, I never understood till now. Like, listen, I've experienced some things. <laughs> like, um, for example, like some, uh, this is just a small thing that uh, I think you'll get, you will get told, but sometimes I'll be selling a house and you'll be like, oh, Oh, look, a three bedroom house in Swanley and it's 270K. That sounds too good to be true, right? That sounds mm-hmm, ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And then you call up and you, it, obviously everything looks perfect on the description. You're like, okay, and you call up to, 
And um, you go, you might even go and see it. And then later on, you're like, oh, yeah, I'll put it off. They're like, oh, by the way, just to let you know, um, it's made from a non-standard construction. So, um, uh-huh. <laughs> so and, and I don't think people understand. With a non-standard construction, that could be made out of steel or concrete. And um, basically, if something happens, it costs you like an arm and leg to fix. So the banks, they ask for a higher deposit. And yeah. you usually start at 20%. So if you've got 10, yeah. or even if you've got, if you've got five, it's even worse because... Yeah. If you've got five percent deposit, there's no way you're going to be able yeah. to make up twenty anytime yeah. soon. And sometimes, as well, with those kind of builds, they will sometimes um, increase mortgage rates to go along with it as well, because they might see it as a higher risk. Exactly. Um, so you'll find that you won't qualify for the mainstream mortgage packages that are out there. Mm. Um, and sometimes it can be an issue with insurance as well. Exactly. Because- exactly. Imagine how much your house insurance would be if it's on a non-standard. I, I, I don't even want to think about how much that would be. And usually these non-standard construction places, they look the best. They're mm-hmm. really like modernized. They look amazing. They look like you, they look a showroom. Like you just walk in and just move mm-hmm. in straight away. And it's because I'm guessing the seller knows that, okay, because it's non-standard, it's unappealing. So they've made the house look as appealing as possible. So I, I'd hope that people wouldn't fall into that trap of being a first-time buyer and just being like, oh, but the house looks so nice. So let me just, you know what I mean? Like take that into consideration and do just try and get the standard thing because it will just affect loads of your finances later on, like the insurance and things after that. And yeah, the interest, you don't, you don't, we don't want to be paying a crazy amount of money just because the house looks nice. Like, yeah. yeah. And you got to think about resale value as well. I mean, what's the, what does that do for you being able to sell that later on down the line as well? How attractive is it going to be for other people also looking for, for property? Exactly. Yeah. It'd be if they're finding it hard to sell, you're gonna find it hard to sell. So maybe not invest your money in that. Absolutely. No. So I, I do want to, because we get quite a few listeners on on the podcast now, um, from all walks of life actually. And like some of the messages that I get are absolutely amazing. I had uh Eureka on the podcast maybe two, three weeks ago, because I, I know Chris and we speak with Chris quite a bit. Um, and we were talking about what he does in the financial services industry, what, why he's developing his app and why he's trying to keep it low fee and all this kind of stuff. And he rang me, he goes, someone I know has been passed the podcast from someone he knew. And now he's come back to me. And it's like, it's weird how circles connect. Mm. And now he's managed to get people who invest in his app because of the podcast and stuff. So with your uh, voiceover work, how do people get hold of you if they want to hire someone to do some voiceover work moving forward for their small business or large business or corporation? Okay. Um, well, <laughs> yeah, if you want to use my services, um, first of all, let me just uh, say, so my voice, that I, it's not like this. It could be like this if you want it like this. <laughs> but um, my voice is, um, it's, it's slightly different. It's a bit more energetic, a bit more youthful, a bit more kind of um, upbeat. And um, I can I can do professional ones. So I've done explainer in my demo role. I've got like explainer ones where I kind of talk like I do like a corporate spiel. Um, mm-hmm. I can also do adverts like kind of, um, you know, I, I, I call myself the voice, the voice of the millennials. Like uh-huh. that's my uh-huh. kind of shtick. Like. Uh-huh. Um, so if you wanted to contact me for that kind of thing, like maybe it's like a new product that you want to appeal to millennials. I have been told that my voice is like relatable to millennials. Um, you can con- you can go on my Instagram, which is at TK Panda. Don't ask me why it's that. It was a very long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it just kind of stuck. I didn't want to change my name because, I, you know, I have a thing for pandas. I was like, yeah, TK Panda. My name uh-huh. is Tiana Kelly, so it works. 
Um, so it's at TK Panda and it's spelled T-E-E-K-A-Y Panda. Um, I'm sure you'll put this in the show notes. So people I will. Remember this. Um, and um, my email is, my voice roll is actually on my Instagram, but um, I've also got my voice roll on SoundCloud and on YouTube. Um, but if you wanted to directly email me straight away, so you can jump in my DMs basically on Instagram. So, you know, jump in my DMs and um, we can get started there. I can give you my email there. But other than that, my email is tiana1 at hotmail.co.uk. And if you just kind of drop me a message there, then we can talk about how we can work together to try and get the the kind of sound you want to get going. And I've got like a professional audio setup at home. So yeah, I can Fantastic. work remotely. Yeah. <laughs> and as you can hear, her quality, her audio quality is pretty much the same as mine. Like there'll be very little engineering or post-production that will go into this. So I really do appreciate you for reaching out and for having this conversation because I hope, and, I, and I'm sure people have picked up something because um, like I said, some of the feedback was they wanted to hear from ordinary people to have a conversation like this. And I would definitely want to bring different perspectives to the podcast this year alongside some of the other content that I provide. Um, and I hope that everyone who's listening, I'm sure they have, um, have actually picked up a few nuggets just on your journey around the side hustles and being a first time buyer and actually your career path as well. So I do appreciate you coming on to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I didn't expect you to actually reply. To reply. So I was like, ah, oh, wow, that's amazing. So yeah, I, re- I read every single one of my DMs and I try and respond to every single one of them. It can be a task sometimes. I get between 25 well, between 20 and 25 a day, but I do get through them. Um, I try to get through them as much as I possibly can. So I always respond. But Amazing. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Again, if you do want to contact Tiana, I will leave details in the show notes below. And, and as always, look, if you want to come on the show, you're listening to this and you want to share your experience, feel free to reach out to me. I will respond to you. I'm definitely going to be looking for probably around about 12 people for um, maybe a summer um, stint to come on, share their experiences. I've been asked to do almost like a Q&A thing as well, um, series, where people can come and ask me questions or maybe take questions live. There's some technical things that I need to figure out for that. So it's not something that's easily done, but it is in the pipeline. If you do want to come on the podcast, have a conversation with me, I would more than welcome it. Feel free to reach out. But guys, have an amazing week. Remember, money is a tool, life is for living. I will catch you next Monday. Bye.